Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. The Hebrew word for holy, Kodesh, is the same word as Kiddushin, as marriage. Kiddushin is a, is a marriage, a relationship between the Jew and Hashem. And a relationship, a kiddushin, a marriage, is the only thing in the world which is really an end in itself. Now, everything else in this world is really a marketplace transaction. It's a business deal. Everything is a deal. What do I get? What do I give? What do I get in return? It's an exchange. You give me what I want, I give you what you want. It's a business deal. There's one thing that's really holy. And that's marriage. It's not a business. It's not a business transaction. It's an end in itself. It's not the, what am I looking for in exchange? That's what defines it. That's why this is one place in your life that's sacred, that's holy. That's why you feel at home. It's not about the house, the mansion. You can have a mansion but you don't feel at home. We have huge houses, but we don't feel at home. It's about a home, a place you feel at home, a place where there's unconditional love, a place which is sacred, with this trust, where you just celebrate each other, it's being together, and celebrate each other. And that is the end in itself. It's not, okay, so what are we doing today? <laughs> it's the end in itself, just being together. That is the end. This is pure. This is holy. Marriage reminds us that we are, we have souls, that we're not just functionaries in this world, we're not just practical cogs in the machine that produce, productive, receive something in return, things that we like, but that we are ends in itself. We're not just means to an end. We are an end in itself. Marriage reminds us, touches that divine place within us. And it's in that, only in marriage that you really, your real being really emerges. You're not just grabbing and taking from the other. You're giving to the other and you're allowing the other to give something back in return. So ironically, paradoxically, when you're egoless, when you forget about your ego, when you park your ego outside, and you have the sanctity of the home, you have sacredness, you have a marriage, kiddush, you have a relationship, it's there that you discover your true being. It's there that your true being becomes grounded. That you become real. In Judaism, there's no nihilism. You don't become into a shmata. Oh, bittel doesn't mean I'm nothing. I'm insignificant. I am nothing. I am nobody. That's not on the contrary. That's when you become significant. When you have bittle, when there's no ego, and it's not about ego, and it's not about I, and it's a marriage, and it's an end in itself, and you give it without asking anything in return, and it's just the being and the presence, that's when your being really becomes meaningful. And your being really matters. And everything about you matters. Every thought, every speech, every action. So it's not about worthlessness. It's on the contrary. The person who's most egotistical really has a deep sense of worthlessness. And the greater sense of worthlessness, the more you have to cover it up 
with a larger ego. Arrogance is just a cover-up or really a sense of worthlessness. Anything that's connected to holiness. This comes from the word marriage, kiddushin, relationship. It's not about ego. Marriage is not about ego. She's not a trophy and he's not a... It's not they use each other and then they spit each other out. When you're ego-centered and you totally focus on yourself, yourself becomes ever more elusive. You can't discover, you can't find yourself. You know, we're the most arrogant generation in human history and uh, people are, are searching for that self. And that self is ever more elusive. So the definition of holiness is, is egolessness. And it's inexplicable. It's called the koyach ha-chachma, the power of chachma. Chachma comes from two words. Koyach ma. What is it? It's inexplicable. I don't know what it is. It's coming from a place that transcends logic, rational, ego, I. And that's the exact opposite of the other side, of the shell. The natural soul, the impulsive soul, the egotistical soul, which all humans have, which... Ultimately, everything that we do, ultimate motivation is ego, I. What can God do for me today? How will a higher level of conscience serve me? So it's about grabbing, it's about taking. Everything in life becomes have, have, grab, take, feed me, stuff me. So it's all about I, me, myself, and I. Marriage is about... It's about taking care of the other person. Being nice to the other person. Being gentle to the other person. Being affectionate to the other person. Being a mensch. That's where it all begins. Your mission in life is to be nice to one person. That's your mission in life. Everything else is secondary. Who you married? Fine. If you married, you'll marry your, your, your soulmate. You have to have a merit. Why do you deserve to marry your soulmate? Have you checked your impulses? Have you overcome your negativity, your, your nature? You can't expect to live a life and then suddenly, miraculously, you want to find your perfect soulmate. So you marry the person that you deserve, the person that you, that's on your level. But your mission in life, no matter who you marry, your mission in life is Take care of one person. Be nice to one person. Everything else is second. Being nice, being a mensch, being affectionate, loving, kind. Just being a nice, decent person to them. That's your mission. You know, when you're nice to that person, you'll come to love the most. The Hebrew word for ava, for love, comes from the root word hava, to give. So in Judaism, marriage is sacred. Because it's really, the focus is not about yourself. The focus is really on the other person. And of course, that would make for a much happier world. And people, people would discover themselves. Because when you remember the basic core principle of life, and usually the basic core principles of life are quite simple. It's not about falling passionately in love and madly in love. That's not 
That's not what marriage is all about. It's about the basic fundamental principle that your mission in life is to really take care of one person. Saying the kind thing, you're in a mood, you're not in a mood. That, that's not... That's secondary. <laughs> and if the focus would not be on yourself, if the focus would be on the other person, then you would discover the sacredness and the sanctity, and you would discover genuine love. A love where each one enhances the other, not use each other, abuse each other. Where sexuality is truly holy and sacred. And then you come alive. You come alive as an individual, as a person. And that's why, right off the bat, the Torah, in the beginning, God creates the world, and what's the first thing the Torah tells us? Adam Chava, get married. Because this is, this is the building block. This is the ABC. This is the Adam of creation. This is, you know, if you want to straighten the world, it's not by hugging a tree. If you want to fix the world, <laughs> it's getting the Adam. If, the, if every Adam is peaceful and wholesome, the world will fall into place. Master the simple, master your own home and master your own marriage. Get married and master the marriage and have a healthy, wholesome relationship. The world will fall into place. That's the core. That's the essence. That's where it all begins. So that's holiness and that's life. And that's why the Jewish people have survived for 3,800 the secret of our survival. We never, we always remember to start from the basics, the foundation, the core, the underpinning, the simple, the fundamental. And that brings life into the world. It brings life to yourself. And it brings life, eternal life. The Jewish people are the eternal people. But if you're lacking that aspect of chachma, that aspect of holiness, where everything in life is egocentric, ego-centered, then that, that's a dead end. That just leads to nihilism. And it doesn't last long. On individual level, the personal level, and on a global level. What happened to all the mighty empires? Who long forgotten? Footnotes in history. Who cares? Who remembers? Then we remember the Bill Gates of 100 years ago. Who cares? Who remembers? So... This is the quality of Kedusha. This is the quality of holiness. This is the key. This is essential to holiness. And we shouldn't confuse religion with holiness. Now, many Jews are very religious. But it has nothing to do with holiness. Because when religion becomes all about, what can I take? What can I grab? What can God do for me today? How much shashir in the world to come am I going to get as a result of my studying Torah and doing mitzvah? Okay, so again, it's another business deal. It's another sale I'm grabbing I'm taking it's about ego it's about me or the eternal ego it's not enough at least when a person dies the ego comes to an end here you're going to carry on forever it never stops you're so egotistical it never ends so this is the antithesis of holiness the antithesis of Yiddishkeit the antithesis of what a Jew is all about when the Torah becomes a thing that fuels your ego and your arrogance and and it's all about you can't stop thinking about yourself. And you, can't, you, don't, you, have, you don't even have any room to think about Hashem. Who has time to think about Hashem when you're busy worrying about how big your Gan is going to be or how great you are? 
spirituality could be the ultimate ego trip. It's not something that's inexplicable. It's something that makes sense. It makes sense on, in, on a very deep level. A person is open to spirituality, to the soul of the world. As you grow, as your mind expands, as your awareness grows, you become open, you become more aware of deeper realities, <laughs> higher levels of realities, infinite reality. So it's not something that's inexplicable. It's still an extension of myself, an expansion of myself. It's a higher self, a more meaningful self, a deeper self. It's not about going to the mountaintop, secluding oneself, becoming a nun or a monk. It's not about going to the mountaintop. That's about me. For the Jew, it's about going, coming down from the mountain, forcing yourself and grounding yourself and eating the bagel and engaging in the world and filling your life, filling your mind, your thought, your speech, your action, your day-to-day life with the holiness and sanctity. Because this is what Hashem wants from me. This is what pleases Hashem. It's not about me. What can I do for Hashem? This is marriage. This is a relationship. A mutual, a two-way relationship. But a genuine relationship. Where you have special worth. You have a genuine inherent value. There's a rootedness. There's a sanctity to life. There's a holiness to life. In this world, life is precious. Unlike all other religions that emphasize the afterlife, the other life, the other world. Which... Which is rooted in the deep sense, ultimate in the nihilism. That life is this inner, innate sense of worthlessness. Because everything is just a means to an end. I don't have that inherent, innate worth. The Jew has a very deep sense of comfort, of trust, of positivity, of optimism, of trust, and that it's good. This world is good. It's a good world. God is good. It's true. How ironic. How paradoxical. The Jewish people of all the nations in the world is the most grounded, is the most root, feels the most comfortable. Because there's an inherent, innate sense of worth. And the Torah says that in order for the non-Jew to really gain this sense of worth, there's one path. When the non-Jew will follow the seven Noahide laws, as it was taught by Moses in the Torah at Sinai, as it's taught by the Jewish people, when the non-Jew connects to the Jewish people and is guided by Moses and the Torah of Moses, then the non-Jew also acquires a sense of permanence. It says a righteous Gentile has a share in the world to come. When he connects to something Jewish, not by converting to Jewishness, but by becoming a righteous Gentile and following the seven Noahide laws as it was taught in the Torah of Moses at Sinai, then the non-Jewish soul also becomes rooted in the eternity, becomes grounded, and suddenly acquires, settles down, acquires a sense of, of worth. When the world becomes part of the marriage of the Jew and God by helping the Jew, by helping the Jew fulfill the 613 mitzvah, 
How? By fulfilling the seven Noahide laws and settling this world and making this world a moral, ethical, and spiritual place, a civilized place, which enables the Jew to live in such a setting and to celebrate when the world is at peace and the world is stable and the Jew can celebrate his marriage, his relationship with God. Then the entire world assumes and becomes part of that marriage, part of that relationship in a certain sense. They become an indispensable part and they also feel deep down inside that they have a sense of worth, a sense of value. And that's why the righteous Gentiles throughout the ages loved the Jew, the Mark Twains of the world, the, the Tolstoys of the world, the Paul Johnsons of the world versus the anti-Semites of the world. Which could, could include religious people, presidents. Makes no difference. When a person is connected, has some godly feeling, some godly sense, then they gravitate to the Jewish people because they know that this is how you plug in, this is how you connect. But when the fuel and the motivation is arrogance and ego, that's the ultimate drive. There's a deep inner sense of worthlessness, of nihilism. And that's why the Torah refers to the wicked as dead. Even when they're alive, they're dead. Yes, make a lot of noise and make a big tumult. But it's transient. It's arbitrary. It's transient. It's superficial. It has no staying power. There's nothing to it. It's a bubble. It's nihilistic. And today we see it openly. Because... What kind of lifestyle do they promote? A nihilistic lifestyle. Live for the moment, have fun. Nothing matters. Doesn't, there's no past, there's no future, there's no present. Live for the moment, have fun. And that's what life has become reduced to. It makes me feel good. That's what life has become. What makes me feel good in the moment? That's what life has become reduced to, been reduced to. That's the ultimate nihilism it's the ultimate declaration of the worthlessness of life that life has no meaning life has no value life has is, is, has no worth to take something so precious and just to treat it as something worthless and all that matters is it makes me feel it supposedly want to be true to myself this is the ultimate declaration of nihilism of the meaninglessness, absolute meaninglessness, arbitrariness and meaninglessness of your life. Who's going to remember? Who cares? What difference does it make? Instead of living a holy life, instead of living a life that's grounded and connected, a life that every day has meaning and worth and value and is sacred and is holy and is special. It's special to God. And you're special and your life is special. All your actions and your behavior and your thought and speech. The contrast couldn't have been stark. Night and day. Life and death. So this is called, even when they're alive, they're called dead. Because it's, it's ego. Dead. While holiness is not about ego. And that's life. When the communists took over... Russia boasted one of the largest Jewish communities in the world, the most active, vibrant Jewish communities in the world. Overnight, 
Stalinist, especially the Jewish Stalinists, the Jewish communists. Yevsexia shut down overnight all Jewish institutions, yeshivot, mikvahs, overnight. There was no yeshiva to send your child to. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was the only one who actively sent out his students, his chassidim, to go open underground yeshivot, a secret underground school. Literally, they would have a guard standing at the door making sure the police don't come because if you were caught, you were, you were arrested or sentenced to death. If you sat in prison under Stalin, it was either because you were a moral person, a spiritual person, the criminals were running the show. Uh, especially, they went after the Jewish people, especially those who dared to publicly teach Torah and continue to build. Now, there were many rabbis in Russia, respected rabbis, great rabbis, who not only did not support this program of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, they actually opposed it. He said, what right do you have? Where does it say in the code of Jewish law that one has to sacrifice his life to teach olive pits? It doesn't say anywhere. It says in the code of Jewish law you have to sacrifice your life not to bow down to an idol. You have to sacrifice your life not to murder. You have to sacrifice your life not to commit adultery. Where does it say, any, where does it say in the Torah you have to sacrifice your life to teach olive pits to little Jewish children? And if you don't have to sacrifice your life, you're not allowed to sacrifice your life. And so not only didn't they support the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe's program of sending out the young, young Jews, many of them to their death, risking their lives, but he felt it's absolutely prohibited. Sounds like a very logical argument, very powerful argument. What right did the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe have to send out thousands of Jews, many of them to their death, But this really, this really gets to, what's the definition of a Jew? What is the definition of a Jew? Before we talk about who is a Jew, let us first define, what is the definition of a Jew? And the answer is, it depends how you look at Judaism. Do you look at Judaism as, we are workers, we are the employees. Hashem is the master, the grand employer. We work for the big boss. And it's wise for a person to know where your bread is buttered from. You want Hashem to give you success? Okay, make sure to do what Hashem wants of you. I'm not going to mess with the big boss. Hashem is more powerful than me. Everything I have comes from Him. He gives me life, He gives me health, He gives me success. If I want, I want God to do what I want, I better give God what He wants. So God is the employer and I'm the employee. Now, if you look at it from that point of view, what if the employer hires you? He hires you to come to work every day. At the same time, the same employer hires a guard to stand at the door with an Uzi. He says, anyone who crosses, crosses this line is going to be shot. What do you do? What do you do? Not that you go home. At the end of the week, you, collect, you come to collect your paycheck. You listen, I did my part. I was ready to come to work. You didn't let me come. The guy was standing there with a Uzi. It's not my fault. I was ready to do my part. And you know, he's right. You can go home, collect this paycheck. That's if you look at yourself as an employer, an employee. But what the Baal Shem Tev taught us, what Hasidus reminded us, that the Jew is not an employee. This is not a, an employer-employee relationship. It's a marriage. 
it's kiddushin, it's holy. A Jew is married to God. Now, when you're married, and someone comes and points a gun to your head and says, I want you to be unfaithful. I want you to be unfaithful. Just once, one day. Right? They made a whole film about that. It's one day. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's not a question of a day or a minute or a second. It's just not an option. It's a marriage. It's not a question, do I have to, don't I have to, am I going to consult my lawyer, <laughs> consult my rabbi? There's nothing to consult, there's nothing to discuss. It's simply not an option. When you have that connection, that level of connection, that soul connection, it's an end in itself. To be unfaithful, I'll never be the same. I can. It's inviolable. And that's the answer. To the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Yiddishkeit was not a job. It was not about a sheer in the world to come and not a sheer in the world to come. It was not about how many pages of Talmud, how brilliant I am. It's a marriage. It's an end in itself. It's holy. It's sacred. And it's simply not an option. I can't be disconnected from God, even for a moment. They're ready to be shot. Just to teach children alibis. Not to give my child a Jewish education, that's not an option. To work on Shabbos is not an option. It's only then that you realize the idea of the chosen people, that you're chosen, you feel chosen, you feel you're married. There's a marriage here. It's real. There's a real relationship, a real connection. Precisely when there's no ego. It's not about ego. It's about me. I'm better, smarter, sharper, funnier. That's not, that's not, it's not about me. It's about there's a marriage. There's a relationship. And how precious life is. How precious every moment of life. How precious the slightest thing. You take a cup of water, you make a blessing. How precious it is. Every moment in life is an opportunity to connect with Hashem then life becomes sacred. Every day of your life becomes sacred. Every moment of your life, when you're sleeping, when you're eating, when you're going about your career, your business, every moment of your life, your whole being becomes permeated with holiness and godliness, like marriage itself, which affects and touches every fiber of your being and every bone in your body. It's the only area in your life which engages and touches and affects every fiber of your being, every bone in your body, every aspect of it. There's no part of you that's left out. It's holy, it's total, it's every part of you emotionally psychologically practically spiritual this is holiness this is Judaism this is what it's all about this is then your days become holy your life becomes holy your home becomes holy your business becomes holy everything you do your food becomes holy the table you eat on becomes an altar everything you do everything you touch turns into holiness into something sacred special godly you fill your mind you don't empty your mind life is not about emptying your mind not about playing dead nine hours a day. It's not about escaping on some, some mountaintop and tuning in and tuning out and disappearing from life. It's about living joyously, passionately, but living your life, filling your life with holiness and sanctity. Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky 